welcome back to Cracking Foundation. As always, I'll be your host, and my name is Lin from the YouTube channel Much Ado About Nerd Thing. I have here with me Eric. Your host is a little bit hungover, so <laughs> introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi, I'm Eric. I'm uh, I'm the unapologetic geek on YouTube. I've also got a website, emagill.com. Lin doesn't have one of those. <laughs> no, I don't have one. Uh, let's start this off by thanking all of our listener, which is more numerous than our wildest dream. Yeah, woohoo! Yeah, I don't know about you, Eric. I thought if by the end of the season we hit triple-digit numbers, I would have been happy with that. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking we'd be lucky to get triple digits by the end. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're a good way into the triple digits now, which is thanks, guys, everyone, for listening, and let's keep making the numbers go up. Yeah, we uh, gotta beat the official foundation podcast. That's the oh, goal. Yes, that's the yeah. goal. And you know, um, the numbers going up keep my existential thoughts at bay. <laughs> <laughs> Never want to be alone with those. Right. If the voices <laughs> in my head ask, what is all this for? I can just say, to make the numbers go up. <laughs> the numbers are going up. <laughs> Man, I just spent a week on Jacob's Ladder. Don't talk to me about existential dread. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, thanks for listening. And if you know friends who are watching the show, maybe recommend it to them. And as always, you guys can leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and you can get in touch with us in the description of the show. There should be a link that you can leave a voice message asking our questions, telling us your crazy theories or just being generally insane. Whatever. If you're really insane, we'll definitely play it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't promise that. There is a wide band of insanity. I'm getting used to it. <laughs> So I guess before we get started on the latest episode, you've been watching anything else, Eric? Um, honestly, no. I've been working really hard on, like I just said, Jacob's Ladder uh, for my YouTube channel. I watched that three times in three days. I don't recommend doing that. It's bad oh. for your brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that video. I'm doing the opposite, which is not doing any of my videos at all and just watching a lot of stuff. I, I binge through the entirety of what we do in the Shadows TV show. Nice. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> have you seen it? The title Actually, no, I've wanted to, but I've never seen it. Oh, uh, yeah. Start with the movie. And then um, then they have a TV show now as well. Okay. Uh, and I watched that Superman and Lois show. Oh, yeah. That portrayal of Superman really washed the bad taste of Snyder's Superman out of my <laughs> mouth. It's, I'm loving it. The plot, sometimes you can take it or leave it. But the characterization of Superman, loving it. I, I, I do love Henry Cavill, but his oh, yeah, yeah. is ruined yes. by Zack Snyder's writing. <laughs> yes. Oh, Henry Cavill have done nothing wrong. He have he've done <laughs> the best he could do with the material. But um, anyway, uh, before we gather more hate mail, <laughs> regarding not liking the Snyderverse. Let's talk about the show. As always, we'll start with a quick summary of what happened this episode. We start with the banger this episode. We start with <laughs> Brother Don just doing a Tom and Brethian impression, just taking a swan dive off a window. And then later in the episode, just creepy stalking a, a garden. Who hasn't used a dragonfly to stalk a girl? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. I mean, people do that with drones these days, I guess. 
<laughs> I guess the general theme is all three of the emperors are falling apart because Brother Day also spent the episode doing shit like beating up mathematicians and getting mad at Dusk for a decision he made during his reign. And yep. Brother Dusk is losing his grip on the politics as Brother Day is keeping him on a shorter leash and kind of sidelining him. And as Harry predicted, there's a religious schism, a local revolt, and the attack on the outer edge. So the beginning of the unraveling of the empire is seemingly starting. On the Terminus side, we have the Anacreons, who are literally at the gates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Selvo trick and capture one of them, who turned out to be the Grand Huntress. She argued with the leaders of the Foundation about her place in Harry's plan, and her vague psychic powers seem to be expanding. And then the Anacreons claim to be after their navigation module, and the episode end with them trying to take down the Terminus um, defenses with a big-ass cannon. And of course, we also get a little tease of Gale's escape port going into some sort of space station or spacecraft. It's only like 10 seconds. You barely have enough time to even see what you're looking at. When that started and then immediately finished, and I literally yelled out, motherfuckers! we might get like a glimpse of somebody you know like we might get yeah, me too we'll get to that later so let's start from the beginning okay so we'll talk about brother dawn um, yeah taking oh. a nosedive and surviving <laughs> <laughs> yes because their little personal shields that the emperors use come into play multiple time in this episode which save brother dawn so we we're not really clear on why he did this no it's not explained i mean it's it definitely seems like a suicide attempt. Like he's very distraught and he's basically, mm. I don't think he's actually crying, but he looks like he wants to be crying. Mm. So he's very distressed and distraught about something. And it's, it's not really explained. Um, no. Well, you know, he has to know about the person of shield. Yeah. I guess. Did, does he know? Uh, maybe he doesn't realize him? it'll save his life. Yeah. I mean, maybe he just, cause that is kind of crazy that that tiny little shield that's only like a half an inch off his skin would yeah. do that. Yeah, um, and I guess the mystery only deepens because the gardener gave him a painkiller plant. Yeah. Which he seems and, to be taking it later. Well, right before she gives him the leaf, like he's rubbing his shoulder or like his like right under his shoulder. Uh, so I think okay. he is a little battered and bruised from the fall. Okay. But okay, so the considering how far that. he fell, the fact that he's not shattered into pieces is amazing. Okay. So so the pain I, I miss about uh, I missed the shoulder rubbing part. Good catch. Yeah, this is why you have to watch it twice. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Oh, and I'll also, I, I, since we're on the subject, I do have to talk about uh, the gardener. Her name is Azura. I went into a big rabbit hole looking up the name Azura, so I'm trying to find like significance to it. I mean, yeah. first of all, it's another name for the eternal Thena, which we're going to see um, in the Eternals next month. And uh, it's also in in the Bible, it's the wife of Abel and Seth, which are the you know children of uh, Adam and Eve. So she married her brothers, um, which, you know, there's some weird genetic dynasty thing there too. But also, and this was the one that really blew my mind, in the Elder Scrolls games, the uh, Azura is the Daedric Prince of Dusk and Dawn. Ah! <laughs> man, okay. You know how it is. Sci-fi fantasy writers love their names, connections. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you promised me Selva Hardin and Harry Selden is not related, okay? You promised. <laughs> <laughs> See, those were names from the book. Azura is not in the book this is just oh, like a okay. totally new thing okay so i just yeah 
<laughs> that's actually where it started. I was like looking her up thinking, is she in the books? Because I don't I don't know. The name Azura <laughs> sounds familiar. It's probably from the Elder Scrolls game, personally. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess the main takeaway is that if the, if the painkiller plant thing is just about the shoulder, then we have literally no clue as to what is the motivation behind the swan dive and whether or not he's actually trying to kill himself or if he just bored i guess we do have (laughs) (laughs) we do have some hint that he's not in sync with his brothers like all the other it's true yeah three emperors usually are like they make a point to show it multiple times in this episode he's behind on saying things in unison thing he's behind on getting up and standing up at the same time thing like just your ceremonial uh wanting to be seen in unison things like he seemed to be not getting it yeah he seems to be like set apart in some way yeah yeah and it does seem to be actively annoying brother day everything seems to be annoying brother day (laughs) yeah but i think they also are showing that the old brother day whose brother dusk now seems to be actually interested in raising brother dawn at the time brother day now the one underneath him basically right but the current brother day doesn't seem to be as interested in raising the the new brother Dawn. Well, it could just be that he's a teenager. <laughs> could just be that. You know, there definitely seems to be a difference there. Like, there's there's something not quite right with Dawn. Like, he's got some issues that are not being addressed. Yeah. He seems. He also seems a little bit simpler. Like, he doesn't seem to have. Uh, he doesn't seem to be following the conversation properly at the dinner table when they were discussing the religious schism. Um, right. Uh, that. He had to have things explained to him, like really rudimentary things. Yeah, to a point where, um, and this is what I was talking about, like Brother Day get annoyed, which if you see in contrast with the original Brother Day, the one who's dusk now, in the first episode, how he was taking time patiently teaching the new Brother Day back then. And the new, and the, the Brother Don then, who's Day now, he yeah. he was very quick to pick things up. He seems yes. smarter than this Don. Yes. Oh, yeah. And this definitely. Don is way older. Yeah. Definitely. And you can see you can see at this dinner table, the brother dusk um, now, which was day in episode one. Man, this is going to get confusing fast. <laughs> it already is. <laughs> is actually the one going, uh, skipping one generation and directly trying to be patient and teaching brother, right. um, brother Dawn. Um, the current brother day for all his talk of um, the old brother day, the, the current brother dusk being like impatient like he has a go at him for uh being rent by impulsive action yes but he himself as dem pointed out in a very uh, passive aggressive mom way possible so sarcastic yeah he himself (laughs) is ruled by um impulse Uh, i i wrote i wrote it down her line because it's so good suddenly now the empire will no longer be rent by impulsive action (laughs) and then she just give him i wrote it down too it's in my notes too <laughs> Such a good good moment. Like, uh-oh, uh oh, the kids are fighting and mom's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> It's good to see she's, she's capable of it. Yeah. <laughs> we know she's strong because she, remember, she picked up Brother Dusk in the previous episode. And Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, I noticed Don was, you know, he he's he's trying to draw now, even though, like, in the last episode, we saw him take down the painting. He didn't seem interested in art at all. But mm. now he's drawing, which I thought well, was a neat little thing. But it's, it's a really rudimentary drawing. It's not that great. 
but yeah. still it's something maybe it's not about the about the drawing him taking that down maybe it's about history because it is a mural depicting the brother dusk and day like reaching out to the outer rim you know oh okay maybe he doesn't well, care about that <laughs> here's how i kind of read it is that he doesn't want to be the emperor he wants to live a normal life right um and he feels trapped i think that's why he tried to commit suicide Mm. um and i think he's he's putting all of his hopes and dreams on this azura girl just because he doesn't want to be involved in politics he just doesn't want to be doing what he's doing yeah he he doesn't seem to be particularly interested in any of the three crises the only thing that seemed to get a genuine like reaction and interest out of him is when it is implied that they do not have souls (laughs) oh right yeah (laughs) but other than that like he's going through the motion he doesn't seem to particularly care yeah exactly i'm Uh, interested to see how that's going to play out so speaking of the gardener uh what do you think about that little relationship Uh, i mean i use the word relationship very loosely (laughs) it's very one-sided yeah that's developing (laughs) she's i mean she she starts by being terrified of him but because he threatened her (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then like when he he tries to he's like he doesn't know how to show affection. So he basically just yells at her. Yeah. <laughs> like It's really weird. Yep. Um, but, you know, uh, I don't know. By the end, I think she might be she might she might be turning a little bit. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess uh, when uh, what is essentially a prince show interest in you is it's hard not to um, be flattered, I guess. <laughs> Sounds like you're speaking from experience. <laughs> yeah, I know all the princes. <laughs> Um, and she seemed to notice that he's spying on her through that um, dragonfly, and she it's gave like, him a she's little like smile. smiles. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, like he's what he's doing can only be described as like incel bullshit. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. He, he totally gives off the incel vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And like he, even when he's even when he's stalking her with the dragonfly, like right behind her, the shadow master, whatever, like yeah. just walks by and yeah. he's immediately like freaking out like he's trying to cock block him or something. It's <laughs> it's so it's, yeah, I, it's I wonder what that was about. I thought maybe I don't know. Maybe he's like, he was worried that the spy master might be like trying to take her out. Right, like, right. Cause he, he mentioned that she was a problem. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that was the concern. But I don't know. That, that was a slightly weird scene. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see how this will develop. Um, I imagine we're going to see more of the Azura. Possibly. I mean, probably. I'd be really surprised if we don't. But the show has had a couple of time jumps. So who knows? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's also true. But um, there is an active crisis happening at this timeline. So I don't imagine we'll jump again. Yeah, um, I don't think uh, we're going to jump right away. I think we're going to get at least one more episode in this time yeah. period, at yeah. least. Probably yeah. more. Well, whatever. And I guess it could be split timeline again, depending on wherever, whenever Gail is at. Yeah, but we'll talk about that later. That was like, that's the last thing in my notes. Yes. Is when is she? Yeah. Yes. So let's move on to Brother the day okay after all our talk of last (laughs) episode i was gonna say the same thing (laughs) straight away start with the sex um but it it doesn't really undermine my point because once again like the way it's framed is is interrupted right right yeah and he's bored. Uh, the scene start with him going, oh, I guess the routine pleasure for the uh, routine person. I guess I could have sex. Sure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
he only got any halfway interested after she was bold enough to be like, can I touch you? And I'm also like, of course you can. What do you think is happening? (laughs) 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 I guess, I mean, everybody know about the personal shield. I I guess, I don't know. It also seemed to be a weird system because she said she only get him for 48 hours or 24 hours. Oh yeah, that was was something like that. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I I guess he just like- Concubine rule. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, Well, probably to stop the, the way I took it, probably to stop the emperors from growing attached to any person. Right. Well, and yeah, and concubines would be a very dangerous thing because, yeah. you know, one could easily be a spy or an assassin. That's, right. Yeah. That's normal empire behavior. Yeah. And I guess it, that also makes sense that she wouldn't know what the protocol is because they do, probably don't brief them. Right. Because probably don't want them having like prior knowledge about. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, about anything, really. But uh, <laughs> the damn Rosal walking in and interrupting that scene, I thought was very funny. <laughs> it was, again, delivery. it felt like a mom moment. Yeah, I know, yeah. you, I know <laughs> yeah. it's important for you to have sexual relations, but you've got work to do, son. <laughs> <laughs> the Pope just died, so you need to put your pants back on. <laughs> you need to tend to the Pope business before the Pope business. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like it, I think my point uh, that I made last episode that this side, the emperor side, seems to be uh, you know sexless and sterile still stand because even the scene like it's not it's not really sensual, <laughs> you know. No, and like it, it it does it feels a lot like Don's story in that like he he's trying he's trying to live some kind of life but it's it's not working obviously no no and the big thing this episode is that brother day is starting to believe harry and his predictions yeah so much so that when he replays the scene with harry he's he's actually like lip syncing along with the speech he's obviously mm. watched it many times yeah and he and was become there. obsessed with selva yeah he yeah. was there yeah as a kid yeah, yeah. he was the grape <laughs> he was the great he was seven like a good recall unless he he watched that clip before i think he's in. watched it a few times, yeah. <laughs> so last episode it was annoying me that they were like oh the hairy thing's not happening but um i am with brother day in this episode that how pissed off he was at brother dusk and being like look what your impulsive actions have wrought but i don't think he's like thought it through because he's also seems to be suggesting that um brother dust um brother day at the time shouldn't have exiled harry and his people which means like to me that seems like he's advocating they should have killed them i'm like well then why would that fix anything (laughs) right no it, it seems like it seems like this day is really honestly not very different from the old day he he's no. just as impulsive but he's trying to blame everything on his predecessors trying to blame everything on dusk but really they're the same person yeah so yeah if anything they're all unraveling and each iteration is clearly worse than the last yeah. <laughs> right and i think that's getting clear yeah yeah definitely uh, and i imagine that, it's going to get clearer as the show goes on probably right the empire is breaking down and the emperors are breaking down <laughs> and like right at the beginning when when dawn like jumps out the window and i thought he was going to die i was just Anything can happen here. Like the the idea that one of these emperors could die and wh- how that would mess things up is actually kind of interesting. And I kind of want to see something like that happen. Honestly. Yeah, where where the uh, where the episode left Brother Day, that might not be out of the possibility. Yeah, that's true. He's leaving the the plan. He's leaving Trantor. Yeah, for the first time ever, a prime Cleon has left while he's left uh, the, in the middle of the rule. So I yeah. presume when you are dawn or dusk, you come and go as you 
please. But imagine I, Dawn has to like learn about the galaxy yeah. and you know visit other places and dusk. Maybe this Dawn doesn't like seem that. to know anything. <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> he's like he seems to be like asking very sorry to go back to uh, Brother Dawn for, uh, for just quickly. He seemed to be asking things like I feel like you should have known this. Like you should have known this about the major religion under your rule, considering <laughs> you are to be an emperor. It probably like in like decade. <laughs> yeah, decade exactly. and a half at most. <laughs> so yeah, with Brother Day leave Trento at the end of the episode. But I want to ask you, did he yell that meth guy to death? <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah, he totally <laughs> screamed at that guy until he died. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, oh, that guy just had a heart attack. But the the attendants dragged Tell him me. out by his feet. <laughs> They, they definitely dragged him out like a cult. But I guess they just don't care because they don't like check his pulse or anything. Yeah, whatever. He's a mathematician. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> what do you but again, I did want to say, I did want to say in, in regards to that scene, Lee Pace is just blowing me away. Oh, on so show. good. He so is. Like, it, maybe it was just because my expectations are so low. Like I talked about in the first episode, but he was so good in that scene. And, and when he... When he shouted, like it, it you could, it really felt like it didn't feel like theatrical shouting. It felt mm. like actual anger from a from a person, you know. And that's actually pretty rare. Yeah, and like as much as I'm making fun of that guy just dropping dead, <laughs> um, it, it it does seem like you know this is a guy who would and could kill you, and yeah, there would be zero consequences. Like he wouldn't even worry for a second after murdering. Right, he would just continue about his his day. So and um, that kind of like exercise. Uh, of power with anger at the time it, it is terrifying if you really think about it right that's true yeah um what do you think about that scene in general with these these mathematicians i thought it was very um it was very telling of how of how like something like that can happen when like they they're so dedicated to supporting the state that they're not willing to even come up with an explanation that goes counter to the narrative you know what i mean i like how he sees them as basically self um i don't remember the term he used but that they their rationale was very self-congratulating you know it was it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing for them for the mathematicians yeah uh they convinced themselves that harry was nothing but the emperor basically just just tore right through their logic and said if there's even a chance even if there's a one percent chance <laughs> we're back to snyder again <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess also Dick Cheney. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I really like that scene. I thought it was really in, illuminating to how far Day has come in terms of realizing that Harry was probably. Yeah, not just realizing, like really afraid, really. He's angry because he's afraid. Oh, definitely. He's he's terrified. Yeah. And I and that's the ir- irony is um, that these mathematicians, their decision is also uh, compelled by fear. They're motivated Absolutely. by fear. And it actually ties back to the teaching the brother Dusk taught this brother day back in episode one that he actually should remember that fear make a poor work. Right. I remember that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they were talking about carving that peacock. The peacock, uh, right. That peacock. Yeah. I remember, yeah, because it, it also makes for bad peacock. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, and this is what, exactly what's happening, right? Uh, because they, uh, as they tighten this grip around the empire, uh, more and more people are either motivated by fear or pushing through it and realizing that they have to risk everything to push back. And either way, the results are not what they want. Right. 
And I also think it, it it highlights the fact that the emperor has been surrounded by basically yes men just because they're so afraid of him. Mm. They're going to tell him what he wants to hear. Yeah. Um, and so when he presses them to tell them something that they don't think he wants to hear, they, they get they get stuck. They wind up getting shouted to death, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, oh, guess I'll die. <laughs> guess I'll just die. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what about, uh, this brother dust, the old brother day? He doesn't um, do he's, that much this episode. Yeah. He, like, I don't really feel like he did anything in this episode except for that one confrontation with day. He didn't yeah. really leave much of an impression. He was just kind of there. Well, he seemed very keen on sorting out that religious crisis and he seemed to think he can sort it out on his own. Right. Um, and, and, um, as day pointed out though, that this is his doing like he he put the old one on the throne what they didn't keep an eye on this religion they didn't realize that this other person who is gaining popularity yeah they got blindsided so, yeah yeah which seems bad governing right like again another evidence of um things starting to fall apart yeah day is a psychopath but he's not wrong when no. he lays into dusk <laughs> No. And obviously he's pulling rank, right? This is the first time we course, really yeah. see the emperor pull rank on the other um, versions of himself. Yeah, and we'd already established that Dusk wasn't all powerful because like we mentioned earlier, the scene where Demersal takes him out of the scar. Yeah. Um, but here it de- it was definitely like more proactive. You saw Day just put him in his place and say yeah. go. Yeah. And Dusk couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, and Dusk actually like laughed uh, a little bit like like he didn't think it was really happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I wonder what are the what are the consequences of this shuffle because now brother Day is going to going to go, go deal with the um the religious crisis and brother dusk is now dealing with the border crisis well right after that right after right after that scene where he gets put in his place and has to stay on trantor um he tells the one guy whose name i don't remember dorwin i think to go to um to go to to terminus yeah yeah to check on the the encyclopedias yeah well i think he the um and he was he was just very angry. That was the thing. Like, I thought he was trying to exert control. He was trying to prove that he's still useful. That's it's an right. old cliche, but still it's it, it fits. And I think this is a this is a bad division of labor, really, because this brother Dusk is the brother day that chose the strong handed military de- action that is leading to this crisis in the first place. Exactly. And, and it looks like he hasn't making, learned anything. He's right. doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, let's quickly talk about the three crises they uh, face. Yeah, since uh, we're on that subject anyway. Yeah, we pretty much covered the border thing, which is the communication buoy going down. Um, and basically the rest of the episode is uh, this crisis, it unfolded anyway. So let's push that aside. The main big thing is this religious schism. Uh, by the way, they make a point of showing that these all three crises are the ones Harry predicted. Yep. In like in general terms, not specifically, but like, you know, a religious crisis and a homegrown uprising right on Trento and border skirmishes, all three are happening. Yeah, well, the, when the mathematician made the point today that these were very vague proclamations that it was totally within anybody could have predicted that a religion would uprise or yeah. that there would be an insurrection in the scar. You know, anybody could have predicted these things. Um, and that's that's kind of true. The yeah, that's definitely wasn't wrong true. Yeah. That's yeah. very Nos- the Nostradamus thing. You know, if right. it's vague enough, it can be true. And it is like it is also like political theory 101. Well, um, I mean, that's that's kind of where psychohistory starts is that it's just like looking at history and being yeah. like, these are the patterns of history. This is what happens. So that's how he predicts the future. And yeah, that's 
that's it. That's logical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about this religion thing specifically, though? I thought it was very clever how they managed to tie it into the genetic dynasty, how yeah. the idea of the the separate soul or whatever. I don't remember the term they used. It was it's yeah. good. Like, I like how that is. That's an existential threat to the empire. And yeah. that makes perfect sense. The religion they're describing is clearly modeled after Catholicism, right? Well, yeah. I mean, even even when they like shoot the, the things into the planet that looks like Jupiter, it was it's very uh the smokestacks when the Pope dies, yeah. <laughs> Which I think is a little bit overkill. Don't bomb things just because no, they just bombed just the whole planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the episode first started, I'm like, is Trantal under attack? What's happening? <laughs> I also want to point out, just because uh, I noticed it, there's there's some like religious symbolism. The uh, There's the three things that they shoot into Jupiter. Yep. I'm going to keep calling it Jupiter, even though it's not. Uh, there was another instance of three, not to mention dawn, day, and dusk, three, yeah, yep. the whole Holy Trinity thing. Thing. Yeah, I think that's very deliberate. This episode had a lot of religious undercurrents, and yes. you know the narration made it very clear that there was a lot of religious over undercurrents. Um, although we'll get to the narration later. Yeah, uh, I kind of want to talk about it a little bit too, not in a good way. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> so this space pope thing, uh, the balls on um, this new space pope that we haven't met yet to just straight up <laughs> imply that the emperors don't have any soul. <laughs> <laughs> That's going the nuclear option, isn't it? <laughs> Basically. I like Don's reaction, though. He was like, so what are we then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't care about the crisis. He wait, actually wait, worries about the metaphysical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's just eyeing that window again, about to dive straight up. <laughs> Such a teenager. <laughs> uh, you don't understand, man. I don't have a soul. <laughs> And the other crisis is, of course, the homegrown little insurrection. Um, yeah, I don't remember what they called it. They had like their own the, nom de guerre. Yeah, the sinkers. <laughs> sinkers, right? Because yeah. they, they work on the heat sinks. Right, right. Yeah, because this heat sink on level 77 broke down 35 years ago. You haven't fixed it? What the hell is happening? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I haven't said it yet, but in the books, the... Uh, <laughs> Even before Harry, or even before the the foundation gets started, you can start to see how they've they've fallen down on maintenance on Trantor, like really simple, easy things that should be you know infrastructure fixes. They're okay. just not doing it. They just okay. they just for one reason or another, the resources aren't getting there. There's technical snafus, red tape, you know, all kinds of different things just gumming up the works. Yeah. So like, I think this is the show's trying to show that a little bit. Yeah. It's not very explicit, but yeah, that's, I think that's what, that would be a good cause for an insurrection if for 35 years, the shit hasn't gotten fixed, <laughs> you know, that's pretty serious. Yeah. The three brothers are just being bad landlords. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not fixing this heating for 35 goddamn years. <laughs> I think some of the people that are already unhappy with this show and how it directly tie into current affair is probably not going to be happy with the portrayal of the crisis this week, especially the protests and the police brutality. I don't know if you uh, like reading comments and stuff on the fandom. I side. try not to because I don't need that kind of headache, man. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are definitely coming out and like, oh, it's too woke. And I think that's insane. Like, it, why even watch this show at all? Like, this is... <laughs> If you're going to be like that, because this this show is about that kind of things. Like it is about downfall of an empire. <laughs> you know, it has literally politics with the capital P. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and people complaining that it's too woke. You guys haven't read Asimov, obviously. <laughs> and, and if you're annoyed how it's similar to real life, maybe stop and think about why for a second. And maybe I want my stop. fiction to not have anything to do with the real world, damn it. <laughs> Oh, so one thing that I want to add about the um, Emperor side is at the end of the big argument between Brother Day and Dusk, they end with Brother Dusk saying to Brother Day, you are haunted by the ghost of a long dead man. And the reply is, we all are. We all are, right, yeah. Which I take it to mean, even though Brother Dusk meant Harry, I think Brother Day meant Cleon. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's my take. I think that was the subtext. Yeah, I, I got that too. Yeah, that's how I read it. Because he was talking about legacy at the time. He said, I won't, I won't let you ruin our legacy. Because that's that's all they do, right? They are born with the shadow, the specter of the original Cleon over their shoulder. Their whole life is predetermined to safeguard this guy's legacy. Uh, the major part of it, which they already fucked up because that star bridge is gone. Yeah, that's fucked. <laughs> Oh, totally. And that, blown up. <laughs> that might also be part of the reason why they haven't been able to fix the heat sinks, because without the Starbridge, it's a lot harder to import the goods True. that they need. In the books, it's established that Trantor doesn't really produce anything. Like everything has to come to it because, I mean, it's one big city. Where are they going to mine for the metals yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like Silicon Valley. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, also, I wanted to note, this is just funny. It's established in this episode that they use the metric system and not the imperial system, which I thought was weird for an empire to use something other than the imperial system. Whatever. I'm obsessed American. because I'm American. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's one thing that you guys have in common with Burma. Both oh, really? There's another the country that doesn't go to the metric system? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it is the kind of company you want to be in currently, <laughs> considering the current affairs in Burma right now <laughs> but before we get too real let's wrap up our covering of <laughs> the empire side of the story so we'll take a short break and we'll come back to talk about the terminus side okay okay and we're back and we're here to talk about the terminus side of the episode four now i've got a milkshake now oh okay yeah <laughs> that's great i have water <laughs> Well, you need it. Run over. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I need sleep is what I need. And... Sleep's for people who have nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> and what the Terminus people need is more guns, maybe? Things, <laughs> things have certainly escalated very quickly on that side. Um, well, I'm it... an American, so yeah, we, everybody needs more guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with Selvold Hardin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, some people are complaining last episode about her being stoic and stuff, but I think it's easy to complain about stoic characters not being like, oh, they don't have much personality, but stoicism is sometimes a personality. <laughs> like, Maybe I just a- watched too much Japanese stuff, but like, she didn't even seem all that stoic to me. <laughs> no, no. Actually, like, I I was surprised by the feedback of Selva Herding's character because I like her. And she lived outside on her own alone. Like, there's... <laughs> yeah, true. Her personality can be clearly seen in what she chooses to do, where she chooses to live. <laughs> right, right. She's obviously an introvert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And in this episode, we get, like, a lot of cool moments with Selva Harding, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. 
What do you I think really about- like? I like there was a scene where she um where she was basically just confronting Louis Pyrene about how it was not her fault that they're not prepared. She tried to tell him to be prepared, and if anybody's going against the plan, it's him. I really liked that scene. That that was very in character with her, and it really like showed you who she was. <laughs> yeah, and he had nothing to say about that, and she just walked off to interrogate the guy, and all he did yeah, yeah. was follow. The body language in that scene is so good and so funny because like he's clearly outwitted and outmatched. So he just like follow her in a huff. And when they entered the room, he has to like go past her and takes takes to <laughs> do step forward just to like physically show dominance. Even right. Though, and it like, totally doesn't work. Yeah. Even though like Selva will kick his ass. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, machine gun Kelly looking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> And his attitude, his belief in the plan, and he's like, you don't need to worry because it's in the plan. Uh, just remind me of that silly little story about people not accepting help and then asking God in heaven, like, why didn't you right. help us? And then God's like, I sent you, like, paramedics. You said that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like it's the same thing. I'm like, dude, the Harry Seldon's psychohistory is not a miracle. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. a prediction. And also, he's predicting your actions. You still have to do something. It's not a miracle. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think I think this side of the the episode really dealt with the concept of faith. Um, yeah, it comes up both here and later. When we'll talk about it when we talk about Hugo. I think that Lewis is being shown as having blind faith, not not like not a virtuous faith. If that makes right. Any sense. Yeah. Yes. Definitely blind faith. And this also shows that like even Harry's followers doesn't necessarily understand Harry's vision. Right. It's like turning atheism into a religion. Like that's kind of what's happening. Right. <laughs> yeah, and like I like I said in the last episode, there are no mathematician terminus. So like, there's nobody there who can like continue the work of Harry Seldon and right. show people how it's true. I mean, yes. they've just got they've got the prime radiant stuck in a drawer somewhere. You know, yeah. it's yeah. They all going by faith that faith that this will work right so for yeah so for them of course it has become like a um although just because it has become like a religion it doesn't mean you have to be as stupid as lewis (laughs) (laughs) he's obviously a weasel yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's very joffy like in this episode and so i want somebody to tell him like constantly having to assert that you're in charge mean you're not in charge at all (laughs) right yeah And even um, the Grand Huntress, they uh, point that out. It's like, you're not really in charge, are you? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) She's she's smarter than you. And you know what else escalated quickly? Selva Hardin's vague psychic ability. Have... Oh yeah, totally jumped up to 11, yeah. Yeah, and this show keep doing that. Like, I, I keep thinking, like, I keep looking at things and thinking, oh, they'll draw this out. This will continue vaguely for, like, a few episodes and then we'll get payoff in the later half of the season. Nope episode four and they just like oh yeah she might be able to read minds <laughs> you've got to get used to that foundation moves fast like the books are really fast this sh- compared to the books the show is a snail like <laughs> Fair um, um but i also think there might be a connection between 
Salvar Harden's like abilities and the vault. Um, I think that because you, you know the vault, the and the, the crisis, the, maybe it's all reaction. Yeah, it's all it's all related in some way. But I think you know the vault, the 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 area around the vault's expanding mm. the field or whatever. And I think maybe that's having an effect on Salvar Harden. Yes, or it's just like the adrenaline of this confrontation doing something in her brain. I don't know. Yeah. Well, what do you think about this new ability? The reading of the mind enough to know about her brother. This is so like, a really hard one for me to talk about without spoiling things. Um, okay. I think it's a little bit much for this early on in the story. Okay. But I have a suspicion I know where they're going with it. And I think it makes sense. Okay. And for people who've read the books, I will just say one word. And that word is Wanda. It means nothing to you if you haven't read the books. So that's all. Oh, I'm they're going to do a crossover with MCU. And no, no, no. A fish is... called... No, no. It's a fish called Wanda. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. They turned Scarlet Witch into a fish. <laughs> I like that movie, by the way. I'm kidding. I know about fish called Wanda before people get mad. <laughs> Don't eat the green ones. They're not right yet. <laughs> um, I think... I don't know. I thought it was a little bit too much because I don't. I don't know how much of like this fantastical elements um to creep into the show. But I think I'm just gonna have to get used to the fact that that is that kind of show. There are gonna be fantastical elements in the story. I mean, yeah. just, I'll just say that that's not really a spoiler. Just accept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but which... the question. Well, sorry. Continue. I interrupted. Um. I guess they. I guess they teased that since the beginning, so people shouldn't be that uh, um surprised. But I predict a lot of people are going to be annoyed, maybe even enough to turn away from the show at this new development, right? Because well, they are, people I would say don't... for people who haven't read the books, yeah, they, they okay. might get turned off. But people who have read the books should see this coming a mile. Uh, I've seen book readers also saying they don't like how the story is kind of going with like a chosen one kind of aspect with Silver Harden and that um, uh, people being special is an element, but that's not supposed to show up until like special people aren't supposed to show up until later in the series. I have no context for all of this vague complaining. But if that is the case, those people are going to be annoyed because clearly they are marking her right here and there as a special person, right? Well, those people aren't taking into account the um, the prequels because there are special people in the prequels, which happens before Foundation, like before the Foundation even gets started, um, especially in the, the one right before Foundation, uh, forward the Foundation. Um, <clears throat> so that complaint is just wrong. <laughs> Honestly, hey, fair enough. I mean, I have no context. I'm just um, speaking what I see in the comments. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, don't read the comments. I'll give you a head. <laughs> <laughs> but my question is, is Salver Harden an outlier or is she the plan? What do you think? Well, part of the narration in episode one had Gail literally thinking out loud whether or not Salver Harden is an outlier or part of the plan, right? Like she straight up yeah, said, did Harry predict it? Uh, people like Salver Harden. But the way cycle three is supposed to work she she shouldn't be part of the plan like especially not in a way of her being special because psychohistory is not supposed to like even in this episode they talk about psycho oh, yeah, they make it very clear yeah yeah they keep bringing it back again and again and again and some people are complaining about how the show is seem to be ignoring i don't think they're ignoring at all i think uh, we'll have to wait until how they 
deliver the message to see what they're actually doing with it. Because yes, they are showing us individual special person and they are consistently reinforcing that psychohistory cannot predict individual behavior. So they're going somewhere with it. And the way I see it, she can't, unless Harry have a separate plan, unless Harry have more thing going on, unless he's like Dumbledoring in this shit, right? <laughs> well, this is an audio medium, so people can't see me just biting my tongue, saying nothing, <laughs> squirming a little bit while you're talking, but not saying anything. <laughs> and like that vault. Oh, by the way, um, I laughed um, Selvo's this episode saying what I've been saying all along, which, where she's like, that vault gotta has be something to, have something to do with Harry. It gotta be. <laughs> And I'm like, I said, me too. I, I think so too. So. <laughs> makes, makes me like her a lot more. <laughs> Um, and um, the increase of this ability also include hard to straight up seeing the Imperial Library from the first episode. Yep. Um, and which and all but confirmed that that little boy is rage. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he had the knife and it looked like the scene that Harry described in the second episode uh, yeah. of where he found him in the library trying to sell books. Yeah. yeah. It felt like that was a recreation of that scene. Right. Which means um, is, he, is, is she just seeing Harry's memory? Like, is that what's in the vault? The memories are being beamed into her head. In which case, is it intentional? Is it fate that the apparition of Rach in the previous episode led her twice over to things she need to go and find out? <laughs> um, I'm sorry, maybe... like that, you're, you just kind of blew my mind a little bit. I hadn't really considered that, that like, that this is some kind of uh, implanted thing that came from the vault or something. Like, what if, and this is, this is crazy, Okay. What if Harry Seldon is still alive and he's in the vault and she's like reading his mind? Yeah, but it was there when they arrived. I don't know what that, they do to the body. <laughs> that's true. We have no we have no idea what happened after Gail left. Like we, we don't know what happened to Rach. We don't know what happened to Harry. I'm more thinking <laughs> oh. along the line of like a copy of his mind being there instead of like him physically being in the vault. Um, yeah, maybe. Like maybe he like uploaded his consciousness or something. I don't like that, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Which once again bring into question, is this part of the plan? Is Selvo Harden supposed to be doing this? Is she supposed to be seeing this or is she just like picking up stray signals? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we're going to ask that a lot. <laughs> I also wanted to ask um, earlier in the or at, on the Empire side, Dusk said something about Harry being murdered by his protege. Mm. Like they deliberately chose those words. Like, yes. so that it could be either Rach or it could be Gail. Yeah, because that was another really... option. Like Gail could have gotten framed for the murder, which I exactly in episode two. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, which would explain why they didn't go looking for that pot. Well, I guess we don't know whether or not they weren't looking for that pot, but it seems to me like they should be able to catch up to that pot if they really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe they couldn't really turn around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess they are not really yeah. free to go where they please. <laughs> so um, do you have anything else to add regarding self or hard in this episode? I like a little ploy with the, the vault. Um, uh, oh yeah, maybe. that was actually very clever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I liked how it worked really fast. Like I was, I was worried that it was going to be dragged out and like more suspenseful, but no, like instantly she was out. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. But and no, I, stop. Uh, <laughs> and she immediately was surprised by that floating vault, which, fair enough. I like that they established that they couldn't see it in their scans, just like the encyclopedists couldn't. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, for the people who are annoyed about the bow and arrow things, like. <laughs> there's a good explanation. There's yeah. a good explanation immediately. They have guns, okay? They have big guns. They have lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're not taking this barbarian word quite literally. They. <laughs> there's one they... part where, like, Farah, the, the Anacreon grand huntress or whatever, when she's like going through the gate with Salver, right once she gets through the gate, she pulls out a handgun and points it at Salver. And at the same time, she's got a rifle over one shoulder. She's got the bow and arrow on her back. And she's yep. got another pistol in her hip. It's just like loaded to bear, man. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So this isn't like, this isn't a... Um... This is in the show trying to put style, uh, which I think a lot of people suspected when the uh, previous episode ended with the bow and arrows. But nope, there's a, quite a clear uh, explanation. So, you know, sometimes wait a little before judging. <laughs> and the Grand Huntress herself called out Lewis for calling her a barbarian, saying that's just you guys trying to put down a different... Right, religion. coming up with Fair a convenient enough. word. Yeah, yeah. I think this episode could be called Everybody Hate Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so... That face, it's so punchable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm reminded of the meeting back in episode two where he's trying to counter Gale about her point about different base system. Him going, right, right. this is how we count. <laughs> what is wrong with you, you crazy woman? It just remind me of the incredible two scene. Math is math. How can that <laughs> change his <laughs> math? <laughs> <laughs> so if we're past cells on Harden, let's talk about uh, Hugo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, the first thing I wanted to mention is the, is the blue eyes when he like touches yes. his face to show that he's a traitor and he's got these bright blue eyes. I mean, wow. Combined with the kinetic shields, it's a uh, very Dune. Oh, yeah? Blue uh, eyes and kinetic shields, that's that's very Dune. So that blue eye is supposed to be a traitor? Thing? I think so. Because he was saying, like, she was trying to figure out where he was from. And then he showed him his eyes. Maybe it's like a Thespis thing. Maybe. I'm not sure. It's either, I, it's either a mark of a traitor or it's a mark that he's from Thespian. I thought could possibly be him like indicating something to the Grand Huntress behind Selvo's back. You are one suspicious motherfucker. I, I am like very suspicious. <laughs> very paranoid. I haven't had much sleep and I do not trust this space Australian. Because <laughs> he showed up right before the Anacreons arrived and he stuck around even though he should leave right and he keep repeatedly trying to take Gil away he is a traitor and he wouldn't know things about he clearly been to terminus multiple times right? right i wonder if he sold out the encyclopedist and if he came just in time to try and get gail out does he like gail but Maybe. now that gail refused uh, not gail salver but yeah Sorry. Yeah. Now that um, Salvo refused to leave, maybe he's sticking around to make sure he survives. Or oh, I'm just too paranoid. Maybe it's just a blue eye to indicate that he's a traitor. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get any of that spy stuff, but like, I like it. I like that you're you're thinking that way. That's cool. <laughs> um, now I thought he was just he's just in love with her. Like he even says, "I have absolute faith in you." I, I think um, he is in love with her, but I wonder if he sold out the encyclopedia. It's possible. That would be an interesting wrinkle in their relationship for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about what the Anacreon says? Like, are they really there for the navigation module, do you think? Um, I think that the navigational module, like, was important to them, but I don't think that's their main goal. 
I think I think Salver put her finger on it when she said that they're yeah. trying to get the Empire there. Yeah, yeah, unless um, that's the point. Yeah, that's what she said. And like when she was reading her mind and she said that Pharaoh wants to die and she wants everybody to die. I think it's because she's thinking of the Empire. She wants the Empire to die. Yeah. She's I, on like a suicide mission to kill the Empire. I wonder what's happening here is uh, I wonder if they are to steal a jump drive. Like the navigational module is oh, plan okay. B, and plan, but plan A is to steal a jump drive when the Emperor come to check on Terminus. Okay, yeah. No, I like it. Um, I mean, obviously, it makes sense that they would be technologically decrepit, just kind of what Ferris says, because they've been bombed into oblivion. They've yep. lost something like 70, 80% of their population. Yeah. So yeah, of course, they need technology. Um, and so yeah, what better way to get it than to get the Empire on their doorstep? Yeah. Another um, uh, world-building implication here is the Empire also seem to have monopoly on star charts. Yep. Like, they seem to have monopoly on the methods of traveling and trading with other systems. Yeah, and I think that's going to be very important. Yeah. Yeah, which which makes sense, right? That, right? That's how feudal lords used to rule by dividing the borders up in a way that without their permission, you can't cross. Yeah, definitely. It's like the roads in Rome. Yeah. What else do you think? Uh, so uh, my my prediction about the vault is clearly wrong because they don't know about the vault at all. That's but, true. And if, if they've been sold out by Hugo, Hugo or hasn't told the Anacreons about the vault. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe I'm just being too <laughs> unfair on uh, my little space Australian. I don't know. Be paranoid. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because you don't like Australian people, isn't it? <laughs> hey, he's great. Uh, look, the character is doing great. I like Rogue, so I might I might like him more if he's some sort of um, spy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that uh, Louis Pyrene is going to give Farah that navigation module? It seems like he was ready to crack. Like, that, that's how I read it. I'm not sure if that's how you... I read it too. And to a point, if he would give it to her, I kind of agree. But the only thing is, we believe clearly there's more she isn't telling. She doesn't just want the navigation module. But I think from his point of view, why not? They don't need it. Right, exactly. <laughs> right? Like, they can't. They're not allowed to leave the planet. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the emperor and the empire would come get them if they really need them. So if I were in his situation, I would definitely consider giving it to... Well, it uh, seems like a good way out because you're obviously outmatched. You're outgunned. You've got barbarians at the gate, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what can you do? Even if they can't get through the shield, that's a scene. Like, what are you going to do? Just live with the people surrounding you? <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't really rely on outside help, so maybe. <laughs> maybe they maybe could just get, live there. <laughs> maybe they'll get eaten by Bishop's Claws. Oh, yeah, Bishop's Claws. <laughs> I mean, look, they'll have to factor into the story at some point, right? Chekhov's Bishop Claws. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I imagine. There's one out there that Pharaoh wounded, so maybe like it'll come back and eat yeah. Pharaoh at some point. Pharaoh <laughs> wounded and Selvo help. Right, it's true. Give Selvo and Pat Bishop Claws. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so badass. Just like roaming the wasteland with her bishop's claw. <laughs> We're just slowly turning this into like a um, self-indulgent D&D campaign. Yeah. You know, like every D&D campaign, at some point uh, you meet creatures and one of the players always like, can I have that as a pet? <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to point out when Salvor is interrogating Farah, she mentions the scars on her face and she says keloids. 
And I thought that that was like a weird sci-fi term or something, but I looked it up. Keloid scars are totally a thing. Oh. <laughs> it means any kind horrifying. of scar. That, it means a scar that like grows out of uh, post post healing. Like after the, the wound is already gone, the scar like will form even years later. And it's usually because of severe trauma or radiation, which is obviously what it meant for this plot. But I just thought it was cool that it was a real thing, like that keloid was a real thing because it sounds like a made up sci-fi. Yeah. And it's yeah, like immediately after that, she even says your eye is made of nano glass, which is also obviously a sci-fi term. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just yeah. want to mention that. This show is, and perhaps also the source material, is very good at um, combining science and sci-fi. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Not too happy about that reading my thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we you got to remember he uh, he 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 was he, he he got his career because of the editor Campbell. He was a big he was big into parapsychology. He believed in clairvoyance and reading minds and stuff like that and remote viewing. Um, and so he would insist that all of the writers who worked under him at. Uh, amazing fantasy or whatever that they they had to include that kind of stuff in their stories and this is the guy who gave isaac asimov a rear so asimov he and arthur c clark and robert heinlein they all had that kind of stuff in their early works i think asimov's probably the only one who incorporated it into the future of like after he left campbell like i think but but he was obviously shaped like that's that's a thing that comes up a lot in 50s and 60s because of campbell okay well now that you gave us a, a very good details about actual important literature stuff, here come your Gundam reference. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> Part of the reason that kind of stuff annoys me is in Gundam, uh, especially the main universe I like called Universal Century, there's a concept that like once human beings venture out into space and colonize space, they will evolve into a new evolution of humanity called new types, which among other things, quick reflex and psychic abilities. <laughs> and I'm wondering if we're getting a very similar thing here. Uh, and it always annoys me because parts of Gundam that have to do with new types are the things that are the least interesting to me and the most USA smartina to me. So uh, that's why I'm a little bit afraid about this because it seems to be like a similar concept, even though this this might be a bit more thought out because we have the, the vault being a wild card. So it might not be simple just be humans in space and they get telepathy because the justification in Gundam is like oh humans are living so far apart and our need for community and communication <laughs> grow to a point that evolution just give us like empathy evolve to a point of telepathy I'm like that's not how any of this works <laughs> I, I can reassure you that as long as they're following the book, it has nothing to do with evolution. Okay. It's, they're not, it's not like childhood's end or something. It's not like people are evolving to be psychic superhuman. Okay. That's good. Uh, let us discuss this little stinger that annoyed the crap out of me. Why even tease us at all? Why tease us? I think us they just at wanted all? to remind us, you know, that, that that's a thing. I remember. <laughs> It was so frustrating. Like the screen goes to black yeah. and then like, I thought the episode was over and then like, yeah. it keeps going and I'm like, oh good. They're going to show where Gail is. And then like, and as soon as I had that thought, it was over. Wait, what? Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, Such a I, cock tease, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make me mad. Uh, but I am actually going to talk about that little split second we have because is it just me or did that look like a space station rather than it did? A space it definitely looked like a space station. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if it is a station. I wonder if planned by Harry interceptor. Like it, the destination doesn't seem to be like coincident. Like it doesn't seem to be the the shot is. Fl framed as if the 
uh, escape pod is heading straight into the space station. Instead yeah, it's of, even like, like rotating by right. tractor beam. It's even like rotating at the right angle so that it'll perfectly align with the yeah. port. So yeah, yeah. it definitely seems very deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder instead of like somebody passing by or a random space station discovering Gil, I wonder if it is like this is like a direct planned thing for this whatever it is to intercept <laughs> Gil's escape. I think it is. Um, I think it, it's it's got to be like it just it feels too it feels too deliberate it, it doesn't feel like an accident hmm. um and yeah like we don't know when it is i think that's really important to remember because from the yes. narration we know that gail lives a lot longer like she lives way past salver harden so when is she now is this like still in this normal time period is this right after she got ejected and that something else is going to happen to her and she's going to continue to like skip through time like mm. through hypersleep or something um i don't know i really don't know do you think we'll see her next episode i hope so it I is really the next episode so. is called upon awakening or something i don't know but that could be talking about um silver's psychic abilities awakening it could be talking about the vault awakening yeah do you think that something is going to happen today and this emotionally unstable dawn is going to have to become the emperor Ooh, okay yeah and maybe do you think maybe there's going to be a conflict between dust and dawn about who yeah, should like be a, really in charge a succession crisis yeah, yeah yeah i think that would be really interesting and like i said i feel like the, the episode primed me for that by starting with the fake out death of dawn yeah mm, mm. i think that does mean that the new pope might be <laughs> carrying <laughs> days <laughs> Which well, if they have no funny. soul, it's not murder, right? <laughs> Space Poe, punch! <laughs> Maybe he's got a Gundam suit. <laughs> <laughs> So two small things that I want to discuss before we wrap up. Well, let's start with the negative thing first. The narration. All right. We didn't talk about the narration. Oh, my God. It was so overwritten. Garbage. Oh, God. (laughs) It kind of pissed me off in this episode. I've been fine with it up until now. Like, I liked the narration in the first couple episodes. But in this one, it's just insufferable. (laughs) So insufferable. I was starting to turn on it last episode. But I thought it was like, uh, oh, they just trying to uh, make a point through repetition and i but i wasn't really buying what they were saying but in this episode i think it got a lot worse and, and it was have, so repetitive like she just kept repeating herself like yeah, yeah we get it it doesn't involve individuals we know yeah <laughs> and then she's clearly just trying to remind the viewers of some core concepts which i understand like this kind of epic sci-fi it's hard uh with books it's easier to do because um you know a few like a few sentences repeating the core concept you don't you don't pay it any mind but one is a narration in a tv show that's so front and center it's hard but the i don't repetition... think that's a good excuse because right. i i think i think it's important to trust your audience and this that that repeating something like that just shows it feels it feels like it's talking down to the audience you know right. it feels it feels very pandering yeah especially because how she's narrating at all is itself is mysterious yeah she's and talking just... in all these obtuse vague generalities that don't really connect you know right. it's just word salad at some point like, especially right at the beginning of this episode there was a lot of that where it's yeah. just like and that's why the faith is like this and it's oh shut up 
yeah, I like you, Gail. I like you a lot, but shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's repetition aside. You're completely right because the writing in the for the narrative itself is bad. Like I have it, it written down one of the lines, which is and and faith is a blade forged in the fires of the infinite. What does that mean? Nothing. Yeah. It's absolutely nothing. That's garbage. <laughs> that is trash. Throw it away. <laughs> you sound like a bad DM. <laughs> <laughs> Especially considering, like, we don't even see anything faith based firsthand in this, other than maybe like Lewis um, uh, trusting psychohistory based on faith. But, like, if the episode end with like uh, the emperor getting stabbed by the space boat, maybe, but in his mech suit, yeah, yeah. I rewinded that line because I'm what did she say? Because I'm like, oh, did I miss a thing? What does that even mean? Like, am I just too hungover? Like, no, no that doesn't mean anything. You. <laughs> and it's so frustrating because I feel like the rest of the this sh- this show is is written so well. Like the dialogue is very well done. Yeah, it, it never feels overwritten. Yeah, but that narration, maybe they just wrote it like at the last minute. Maybe like some producer said there has to be more. Exp- yeah, I'm I'm getting that feeling. Like, I'm getting that um the uh, the narration in um. Late Runner, Blade narration Runner, yeah. in Dark City kind of yeah. feeling because it happens all the time with sci-fi, right? Like, it does. A couple you of test audience say my like, favorite movie. A couple of test audience say something like, "Oh, it was hard to follow. We didn't get it." And then, you know, a narrative exposition happened. Like as you know, Dark City is the worst case. It um, is the worst. Ex- yeah, because they just so spoil the <laughs> twist in the narrative because people <laughs> didn't like. Oh, so anyway. Th- <laughs> like, thanks <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> uh, you just spoiled it so i'm gonna beep you out in case people listening haven't seen <laughs> i take later. shit from so many people for spoiling movies on my youtube channel i don't give a shit about spoilers. <laughs> but is good people should go watch it if you haven't That's seen true. it go watch it i bleeped <laughs> it out for a reason okay <laughs> well, good i'm glad you did <laughs> But if you want to give me shit for spoilers, go ahead. I'm used to it. I like it. <laughs> Your tears are delicious. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we're going to get weird comments, too. Uh, <laughs> I want to quickly talk about the opening credits, though, because I keep meaning to talk about it and, and keep forgetting each episode. We see a lot of the repeated motifs of the themes of the show in the opening credit, as it should be, right? Yeah. And, like, we see literally the Ampara duplicated over and over and over and over. And the whole right. thing is shown in the same style as the murals, like the little floating sand thing. We see, like, shows of force by the Empire. We see Damrizel, but her, yeah. like, her eyes are creepy empty. It's <laughs> <laughs> because uh, she's creepy in general anyway. <laughs> she is creepy in general. Oh, um, Damrizel, check this episode. Still sexy, still scary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's one every episode. <laughs> <laughs> at some point it will tip one way or the other right but it's still equally <laughs> scary and sexy for that if i'm being perfectly honest salver kind of did it for me in this episode she's not she's not scary well no she's not scary but she takes charge i like that she is, she's good she's good um, but she could big... still beat my ass oh yeah 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 she will she would beat everybody in that council and take charge uh, maybe she should 
<laughs> I like how when uh, when she walked outside, one of the guy accosted her, be like, "Oh, I heard you uh, capture an acreon. You're drunk again, aren't you?" <laughs> she just like she goes to the nuclear option. She's like, "You're drunk. Get out of my." <laughs> I also like like right before that, when she's like, "I should stay and babysit Lewis because he's gonna suck." <laughs> <laughs> and the mom is like, no, I'll I'll take care of Machine Gun Kelly. You go fight. <laughs> look up a picture of Machine Gun Kelly. Like, hey, Lewis oh, yeah. look a lot like <laughs> I'm going to pull up a picture right now while we're talking. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Look at that guy. Look at that douche. Totally. <laughs> he tried to get into a fist fight with a boxer at the Met Gala. And the headline is like Machine Gun Kelly and Conor McGregor are like get into a fight. I'm like, no, they didn't. Because if they it's did, Machine Gun Kelly is dead. <laughs> yeah, that headline should actually read Conor McGregor kill Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Um, the main thing I want to talk about the opening credit is, of course, there is a giant ass statue That's which is covered. And we know its size is enormous because we can see little tiny people at its feet and little pyramids. Maybe behind it's it. maybe it's maybe it's a normal size statue, and those literally are a little. <laughs> <laughs> you did say there will be fantastical elements of it. <laughs> <laughs> the Lilliputians haven't shown yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> turned out is actually an adaptation of Gulliver's Travel. <laughs> um, but my theory is that that is a hidden detail. And at some point, after a plot point, that statue will be revealed. I absolutely think so. And just just to be clear, from the books, I have no frame of reference for what that could possibly be. It could be anything. So my theory initially was scale under there. And that Gil will become important enough in the foundation and or in psychohistory or in her religion enough that she'll become some sort of mythical figure. And when that's revealed, we'll see the reveal of that statue. But a lot more boring uh, <laughs> immediate answer is maybe that's the next space boat. <laughs> that would be kind of anticlimactic. Maybe they just haven't shown us yet because they haven't introduced to us the next space boat. Unless it's like some actor they've kept secret who's like a big name or something i don't i don't feel like it would be a thrill be like oh well there's space pope great <laughs> it wouldn't be worth like putting in the opening credits if that's what it was well unless it's like denny devito as the next space pope <laughs> <laughs> there's our episode title denny devito as next space pope <laughs> you're good at that <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be hard to beat Space Australia. Really. <laughs> yes. So um, do you have any other guess as to the mystery stretchy person? It could just be Harry. We could just be overthinking. Yeah. And if it if it, if it it is Harry, that'll make sense. But again, I'll, I'll feel like that's anticlimactic. That's the easy yeah. answer. Yeah. Um, Why hide it if it is just Harry? Exactly. I feel like I feel like there should be a reveal bar. <laughs> um, and I feel like it should be. I think when it will be revealed, I think it will be a surprise. And I don't know who that could be. Could be Danny anybody. Danny as the space pope. It's Danny DeVito. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll have a real big hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's that you is not done to be no proportion. Um, so what do you expect from the next episode? What do you want from the next? Episode? Oh, right. I did wanna I did wanna say that we should have like prediction at the end. I think that we will see Gail waking up. I, I think I said that in the last episode too, but this time I mean it. I think next time we really will see Gail wake up. <laughs> 
And I do think we'll see, if not the resolution to the crisis on um, Terminus, I think we'll see it get really close. Yeah, I do. I am going to give you an option you're going to hate. I think we'll see Gil again at the end of the next episode. <laughs> then we're going to get like another 30 seconds. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe we will. Maybe like for the whole season, it'll just be like 10 seconds at a time as she gets closer and closer to the space station. And then the last shot of the show is her waking up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not thinking that bad. Like maybe like she wakes up and like she wander around the, the space station trying to explore something and then they'll give us one thing and then they'll cut again. Like I'm wondering if um, we're going to get a little bit more and more of it until the regular crisis that we're seeing is ready to catch up to what and where gale is right no i think that i think that makes sense yeah yeah um the next episode i think is going to be the confrontation between anacreon and terminus and the people the empire sent i think we're i also want to gonna... i also hope i don't know if we will see it but i hope we see a day going to the space pope planet I, I just i'm just curious what happens there i'm really like invested on the empire side which i did not expect going into the show like at all yeah <laughs> i'm super invested in the empire yeah i was more invested in the emperor side last episode but i think in this episode the terminus side is also bringing me on board although well things are ramping up so yeah yeah but they are moving a little bit slower than the empire side which seemed to go at like 100 miles an hour <laughs> <laughs> So I guess, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see for the next episode. And you'll have to wait and see for the next episode of this podcast. And wait and as, hear, really. <laughs> and as always, you know, give us a five-star review. Recommend us to our friends. Uh, recommend us to your <laughs> friends, not our friends. <laughs> I've already done that, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been Lynn, and you can find me on Twitter at Flaming Eyebrows. And Eric? Right, I have been Eric. And I am the Unapologetic Geek. You can find me on YouTube. You can also find me on Facebook as Writer E. McGill. That's M-A-G-I-L-L. I also have a website, emcgill.com. And and yeah, that's it. That's that's me. And you can find my YouTube channel on Much Ado About Nerd Thing. All right, guys, that's it from us. We'll see you next time. May your foundations be strong. Yeah.